Welcome to Sky Talkers Fulcrum Files, where Caitlin and Charlotte break down the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels. An in-depth discussion commencing in 3, 2, 1. Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of Sky Talkers Fulcrum Files, a show where we cover all of the new episodes of the very last season of Star Wars Rebels. I am your host, Caitlin. And I'm Charlotte, and I'm so happy to we're be so talking excited. about. I'm really excited, but like also sad that we're finally here, the final season. And, you know, we've been planning having a Rebel show for a while and like having a Rebels discussion show. And it's it seems so far in the future to me. And now we are here and Rebels is ending. And I'm just I'm excited to see where it goes, but I'm also mourning its loss already. You know, same. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think when we first started this podcast back in February, we were like, if we're still doing this, if, if we still like this in, you know, eight months or something, we're going to be doing a Rebel show. And, you know, we really like podcasting and here we are doing a <laughs> Rebel show. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way that this show is going to work is very similar to our normal format, which you all probably know is a three-part format. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are going to start with a 20-second recap that This is kind of a concept that we're kind of borrowing from the very popular Harry Potter podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. And in that podcast, they do a 30-second recap and kind of face off. We're kind of changing that and doing a 20-second recap, and (laughs) it'll just switch off between me and Caitlin um, every week that we have a Rebel show. Um, So that's how we're going to begin. And then in part one, we are going to do two highlights in one room for improvement. And then in part two, we're going to talk story. And in part three, we're going to talk characters. And that'll be our show. And we're so excited. We are very excited. And I think this episode was a great way to ring in season four. Yes, me too. I mean, we'll talk about this later. Yeah, okay. So let's... You're right. Let's... Okay, so we're... We're doing 20-second recap is the first order of business, and for this very first episode, Charlotte is going first. Okay. I'm ready. So you want me to catch you in? Yes. I don't know why, but I'm nervous for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. I'll catch you in. Okay. Charlotte is a go in three, two, one. Ezra fumbles with his jetpack and leads a group of Mandos to rescue her uh, Sabine's father. And what he, uh, what she uncovers is that her designed weapon is being used as an agent against her. And in the end, the rebels team up and to destroy the weapon and use the weapon against them and the Empire, and they win the day. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, I think that was probably like seven seconds you were talking so fast (laughs) okay so what i missed if any of you are listening and understood what charlotte said (laughs) let us know at sky talkers pod please because um you missed a lot (laughs) i mean you you hit the broad strokes like ezra fumbles with jet like you you start with ezra fumbles with jetpack (laughs) Yep. And did you even mention that Sabine, it was a rescue mission for her father? Yeah, I said that in the beginning. Okay, all right, I I missed it. (laughs) Um, You didn't talk about the Kanan and Hera little chat amongst themselves. Okay, it's 20 seconds. (laughs) Okay, you literally talked for 10 seconds, okay? It was not that long. Um, I timed myself. 
in, in right in front of me. It was 20 seconds. That's, that seems so fast. That, that <laughs> makes me nervous for next week when I have to go. Yeah. Uh, Good luck. Bo-Katan. You missed Bo-Katan. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, I did. yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, and Thrawn talking about the um, the weapon and passing on the Darksaber. I think those were the big things you missed. All right. So without further ado, let's get started on part one. As we're in the jetpack. <laughs> There are whispers of this alleged Jedi in the streets. In time, such whispers might spark belief in something other than the strength and security of the Empire. And that, gentlemen, is something I cannot have. So welcome to part one, and Caitlin and I are going to share our two highlights and one room for improvement in this episode, Heroes of Mandalore. So Caitlin, why don't you go first with one of your highlights? Yeah, so it's like two highs and a low. So I think... One of my biggest highlights was the music at the end of the first episode when Sabine thinks that her family has been killed. It was just, I had such, like, that that music was so emotional. It It was so good. It was 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 so so good. good. I don't think I felt that kind of emotion from, like, an animation composition since Ahsoka leaves. I know. It was it was that I good. Completely agree. And, I completely agree. And I mean, I love the Rebels soundtrack, and I, and obviously, Hera Soros is the Sky Talkers theme song, pretty much. Um, but I mean, like the Ahsoka leaves, kind of like gut wrenching feeling, um, and the, at that music at the end, just it hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> me too. Like honestly, I was sobbing at the end of that mm-hmm. part one and you know full disclosure caitlin saw part one in when we were in orlando for star wars celebration um and i had no idea i mean i think you told me about like i just know you, you didn't want me to tell you yeah and i was sh- like so shocked and sad and like very emotional and then i then started season uh episode two and i was very happy yeah. but, but- <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in the next section what was your yeah. first highlight charlotte Okay, so my other highlight has to do with music as well. I thought the lack of music and, like, sometimes, like, the lack of dialogue, I really appreciate that in, like, most anything, really, like, film, TV, animation, like, whatever it is. I fully appreciate when, you know, I'm going to say it, when the director trusts trust the, trust audience. the audience. Yeah. All and together I feel now. Like <laughs> I feel like this episode really did that super well, though, where there were so many quiet moments that you, the audience could really marinate on what was happening. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved that. Agreed. So my second highlight was I really loved the conflict between the clan members before we got to the end of the episode and how they were all reacting and approaching Sabine for making the weapon that was poised to destroy them. I thought it was handled very well, and I'm glad it wasn't just something that they all kind of forgave her for and moved on, especially with Bo-Katan when – I always forget his name. Is it – Who's the other Mando? Oh, I don't. I always, I always forget his name, uh, and I'm so sorry. I should know his name. But when they're talking about it, and he's basically asking Bo-Katan how she can stand next to Sabine, knowing that Sabine created this weapon, and Bo-Katan, she said it really well, really nicely. But it was something like, I, I'm still struggling with the things that she did, but I honor what she stands for now. And I'm going to stand with her now. And I'm going to 
respect the choices that she's making now for our culture for our culture and I really liked that um but also like the other Mandalorians they weren't they weren't so quick to forgive her which I kind of liked because there was that conflict and that tension that needed to be worked out among all of them because I mean the things that being created was awful Mm -hmm. you know so I I appreciated how they took some time because to to like see that through because we've been hearing about the thing that Sabine did in when she was with the Empire when she was a cadet I don't think we've ever gotten the specific of what she did until this episode right 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 but it, it but it was just kind of this looming thing of what was so bad that made her leave her family and this was it and you know it it was pretty darn bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> my my other highlight kind of has to do with what you said how you know, Dave Filoni has kind of made me care about the Mandos. Like, I, I honestly didn't think that was possible. I really didn't. Mm-hmm. And um, I care so much. <laughs> like, I spent a lot of time reading the databank entries. And, like, I, I find that detail so fascinating about the armor. It really, like, when they said that, I was like, oh, my gosh. I all of a sudden really care about this. And it made the stakes so much higher with the weapon, I think, because it just, like, meant that that weapon was destroying thousands and thousands of years of history and culture. And it was awful. But, yeah, that's my highlight is actually caring about this group of people. Yeah, it's interesting because <laughs> you nor I have ever really had a big interest in Mandalorian culture. No. I, I will say that I always really enjoyed the episodes in Clone Wars with Satine, but it's never that, that's never. I been genuinely a enjoyed the episodes with Satine yeah. because I was interested in what was happening with Obi. I know, same, and that's the thing. We are such people who I feel like we almost have blinders on in our Star Wars viewing when it doesn't involve our main characters. <laughs> Yeah. We were always yeah. focused on, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka and now, like, the main Rebels crew that sometimes we don't take enough time to really appreciate what else is going on in the galaxy. But totally. this episode definitely definitely brought that to the forefront and I loved it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, so what is your pitfall, though? I wouldn't necessarily call it a pitfall. Well, I guess, I guess my one pitfall or – the biggest pitfall for me was where was Zeb? <laughs> oh my gosh, so true. And I know we saw Hera, but and and I kind of get why Hera wasn't there. But where was Zeb? <laughs> wow, I know. I actually, <laughs> I'm embarrassed, Don't. but like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Um, so that was that was a pitfall because they didn't really even mention him unless unless I missed something in the episode. I did watch it at like 7.30 in the morning, so it's possible I missed something. Um, but I'm also not sure how I feel about Sabine giving away the Darksaber. I I recognize that logistically it kind of had to happen because I assume the powers that be want Sabine to be with the ghost crew for this last season, and so I feel like that'd be kind of hard to do if she kept the Darksaber because she would be expected to be on Mandalore, I assume. So I understand it, but I feel like we had so many great moments with the Darksaber and with Sabine's character growth in the last season for her to just be like, you're the true leader. Okay, here you go. Um, I disagree just because I feel like, full disclosure, guys, I've binge watched the entire Rebels in the past like week or so, <laughs> and 
I feel like she said, I'm going to find who this belongs to, who needs to wield this. It's not me. She said that in the last season. So, like, it's happening. I mean, I know. And it did happen. Um, But I kind of like the idea that it was Sabine thinking that she wasn't qualified to have the Darksaber, when in reality she had the strength within her all along. I I liked that kind of thought process with it. And she did, though. I mean, she did, but she still gave it away. Yeah, and that almost that act though is so much better than her keeping it in a way because she was able to give it a like giving up this like super rare powerful weapon. It's amazing that she was able to find someone and give it away and also master it because she could clearly wield that thing. I mean, I agree. I just wanted her to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Okay, what was your pitfall? <laughs> Mine is like you know, the general fandom consensus, but as we're being too silly, the all the all the jetpack nonsense was kind of funny, but like also it's kinda of like, okay, we've spent four seasons now building up Ezra as this like conflicted, troubled character, and then now we see him the first iteration that we see of him in this final season is him like not understanding how to use his uh jetpack at all. And it's like, okay, fine. <laughs> But at the same time, I'm not that bothered by it. Like, I laughed. <laughs> so I laughed. I just too. thought I thought it was like, uh, mm, it's a kid show and it's like the kid's point. I don't know. I don't know. I think, it, I think it was just, I think it is Ezra. I mean, I think Ezra has grown a lot in the past four seasons, three seasons. But at the end of the day, he's still, what, 16, 17 years old? Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's not always going to be super mature. We're what are, we're in our twenties, and we're not always super mature either. No, for real, I I, I agree. I just like uh, kind of was like, can we just move past this? Yeah. Well, it's well, you didn't have Zeb there to like kind of be that comic relief, yeah, or like make fun of Ezra. Yeah, exactly, or call Ezra out on being over the top. Although I will say it was hilarious when Chopper was trying to show Ezra how to fly. He was just like. Flap your arms. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. No, because Sabine made like a hilarious pun. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> it was great. That's basically it. Like I, I genuinely loved this episode. I was like very emotionally me- moved by it, as I mentioned before, like mm-hmm. sobbing. Yeah. And yeah. I watched it twice and I just can't get enough of Sabine dealing with her family those episodes to me have been the most powerful in Rebels and seeing this episode in two parts, which is like a unique format that I'm happy that we've returned to with Star Wars animation is, it was just really satisfying. Yeah, it's nice because we've seen all of the other ghost ghost crew members deal with family issues, really except for Kanan. But Ezra had to deal with the pain of, like, coming to terms with the fact that his parents died. Uh, We had Hera and her father. And then we had not necessarily Zeb's parents, but other Lasats and, like, dealing with, you know, his people as family, too. So it's nice that we're finally getting some payoff for Sabine and her family. Yeah, totally. (sighs) Okay. So why don't we move on to talk about story? Story. We will not rest until we bring an end to the Empire, until we restore our Republic. Are you with me? 
Okay, so welcome to part two, where we talk about story. Um, so the first question that I kind of wanted to ask was, what's going on with the rebellion at this point? Like, where are we? Let's do a check-in. IDK. <laughs> I don't know where we are I don't, in the rebellion. I don't think we know. Yeah, I don't think we know. The thing is, Rebels has never really nailed down exactly what's going on. And I, and I think that's part of the point, because I don't think the rebellion knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I, Oh, yeah, for sure. Every iteration outside of Rebels that we've seen of the Rebellion at this point, like, it's scrappy and, like, there's extremists and they're trying to balance all these different things. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think that, of course, like, it's not fully formed. Um, but I do have to say it's very interesting that they started the season with this episode. Mm-hmm. With Mandalore. Yeah, because... On in zero hour where we left it last, it was like such a big. What's the word? Thing. It's a big thing <laughs> for the rebellion. Like it was a huge battle. Yeah, like, it was. People died, and it's like that wasn't really addressed at all in this episode. No, and but sometimes when shows do that, it like kind of drives me crazy. Where it's like they don't address anything that came before. It's something that we've been talking about though in our machete order though. Like with Empire Strikes Back, we don't really see the rebellion at all. And even with Return of the Jedi, you you had it, but it certainly wasn't the forefront because we were more concerned with what was happening to our characters. And then yeah, but the show's called Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's also called, like, The Empire Strikes Back, and we didn't really see the Empire all too much in Empire Strikes Back. Um, but it, it's kind of, like, the time jump that I'm assuming happens between season three and four, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the our main Star Wars movies up until The Last Jedi, honestly, where you have this time jump and it's not exactly defined, but things have changed. And it's going to take some time for us to learn exactly what the state of the rebellion and the empire is right now but until we get to that we're we're having like like we're basically just hopping in wherever our characters are on their journey and right now they're dealing with this mandalore thing even though the bigger picture is the rebellion and the empire to me they had to deal with this mandalore thing before they could go back to that bigger picture and um because sabine had said those words where i'm gonna find who can wield the lightsaber and i honestly or the dark saber sorry i honestly think that if I could make any predictions is that the Mandos are going to join the rebellion and then something's going to happen to the point where they're either wiped out or they, I don't know. What do you think? I have no idea. I, I cannot make any predictions for the end of this season. I, it's, <laughs> it plagues me. We tr- we've tried. <laughs> we've tried. It's hard. There is this, Someone tweeted this, um, Taylor Gray had asked how everyone liked the premiere or something, and someone had tweeted at him, and the tweet read something like, dude, dude, like, I loved it, but, like, I just need y'all to live, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of how I feel. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have mixed emotions about whether I need them to live, but I do want them to live because I love them as characters, obviously, but, like, from a story standpoint... I truly don't see how Kanan and Ezra can survive this. I know. know. (laughs) The thing is, before we got to this point, as in seeing these episodes, I was like, yeah, they have to die. They don't exist. But now, like, seeing their faces again, all I can think of is, save yourself. Oh, yeah, they can can totally exist. (laughs) Like, they'll just be on the other side of the galaxy. Like, it's fine. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, or maybe they're just frozen in carbonite and Luke is in the process of unfreezing them in episode nine. You know? Oh, my God. (laughs) Crazy crackpot theory of the day. (laughs) If Dave did that, I'd quit. I'd quit Star Wars. Oh, my God. No, I'd never quit quit Star Wars. That would be so crazy. The thing is that I can't remember if it was Star Wars show or if it was the Nerdist article that came out or some other thing. But Dave was talking about how – he was like, we, we try to do these, like, really dark things on the show and, you know, but in the end, people like their happy endings. And he was like, so we try to do that as much as we can in this season. It was it was something like that. But it just got me thinking, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> what do you mean? Do happy know. endings where you can. <laughs> uh, yeah. Still kind of holding out for Ezra to be DJ. Anyway. I, no, I I am hoping that he is. I've 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 always liked that theory, but I've been liking it a lot more since we saw since we've started back. Yeah, I I love that theory. Like a but, Jedi um, hiding. Not even just someone who's like abandoned everything to like do what he likes, which is like smuggling and being like, I don't know, Hondo Onaka. You yeah. know, isn't, it's so cool. Isn't DJ? Doesn't he do something with, like, codes or something? Um, I think that's Rose. Okay. But I could be wrong about that. I don't know. I don't know. All right. We'll move on. No spoilery talk. (laughs) Um. Anyway. So, Kaylin, I want to know. You saw part one in April, and then you had to wait for, you know, so long (laughs) to (laughs) see part two. How was waiting, and what sort of theories did you come up with, and kind of where was your head at at the end of seeing it in celebration. Can I just say that that Rebels panel was super stressful? (laughs) Just all around. Not only was it a stressful morning for us because I had lost my badge, but it was, and I was late to the panel, but it was stressful because we found out it was the last season. Dave did that ridiculous Ahsoka lives exclamation point switcheroo, which still waiting for payoff on that. Thank you, Dave. And then we had to watch that trailer with Vanessa Marshall's heart-wrenching narrative uh and then we had to see this episode and be left on that cliffhanger and when i met you afterwards after the panel and i told you that we saw the saw the first episode you were like don't tell me anything i don't want to know anything and i was like (laughs) who can i talk to about this um it was really hard. I think I was so overwhelmed by how good the episode looked because um, I thought this episode looked great. I loved kind of the bleakness of Mandalore. I thought the colors, I thought I thought it all worked really well together. Like I, I enjoyed the look of this episode and I think I was really overwhelmed by how great it looked. And of course the score, like I've been thinking about that music at the end for a very <laughs> long time. Um, but then honestly, I think I tried to not think about it because it would just get my head reeling and my heart was so broken for Sabine thinking that her family had died, that her mother and brother had died. It was just awful. It was so bad. Um, But they also have these little little moments that are like throughout that episode where you just are shaking with excitement, like the Kanan and Hera moment. And then we'll talk about this later, but when Ezra is like, I'm not with her. I'm not with Sabine. I mean, like I'm with her, but I'm not with her. Um, And you're like, what's that about? 
Ezra. <laughs> Uh, and then learning about how Sabine got her artistic side from her father, a completely new character who was really great to see. And then, of course, learning about the weapon that Sabine built. Not really learning about it, but seeing- Did you know that that was happening? Oh, yeah. I couldn't remember where this where the episode it ended. Ends Sorry. It like, on her knees. And she's like, I created this, right? Yeah, yeah. Or I think yeah. Ezra asks, what could have done this? Or who could have done this? And... Sabine says, it was me. This is my weapon. And then it ends. And you're like, excuse me? (laughs) When the lights came up, was everyone like, oh, my God, what? Mm -hmm. We were all like, what? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I honestly have tried not to think about the episode, especially in the past month or two, because I wanted to – kind of see it for the first time again. Um, I remember the action sequence and everything. Like, I remembered the episode, but I forgot how emotional it was at the end. (laughs) Yeah. It was like I had blocked that out of my mind. And so I'm making my coffee. You know, it's like 7.30 in the morning, and we get to that ending moment, and I'm just like, I forgot how awful this was. Oh, no. And then it starts, and you see her mother and brother come back. And I just – I started, like, yelling in my kitchen. I was like, what? No. Oh, my God. Dave, why did you do this to me? (laughs) In April. Yeah, I was like, so it's so rude. It's it's (laughs) honestly pretty rude. (laughs) Why you do me like that, David? (laughs) I just, like, I was really, like I mentioned, I was emotionally wrecked that, like, I can imagine you being like, wait, what? After that? Yeah, it was a little bit of I was I, it was relief because I was like, oh my god, they're alive! Yes, but yeah. Then I was like, Wait a second, <laughs> it's not even like they got captured and we like have to re-rescue them. It's like they literally just walked out of the back of the stage or something. <laughs> oh gosh! But how did you feel when you saw the end of this episode? Did you think they were actually dead? I thought they were actually dead because, like, I don't I didn't think the story needed them. So I was like, oh, they're actually dead. Wow, this is insane. Yeah, especially because they had put that moment with – was this in the first part? No, I think it was in the second part. Sorry, I was going to say they put that moment of Tristan and Ezra talking about something. They, like, like, built up the fact that they knew each other, and then they were just going to kill him. But that happened in the second part. So just forget everything I just said. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So – but speaking of the weapon, is it hard not to think of the Death Star when you see that? I, I would have put money on the fact that that weapon had some sort of kyber crystal in it when I was watching I, it. M- me too. Um, the thing is, is that I – if okay, so if Rogue One didn't exist at all, right, mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything about Rogue One, I could totally see them spinning this story into what Rogue One was. Yeah. And, like, saying that this is how the weapon is firepower, like, et cetera, Mm -hmm. right? Like, same thing. Um, And I think that's really cool because it kind of shows that the Empire was working on these, like, super destructive weapons Mm -hmm. even before they could, like, perfect the technology of the Death Star. Yeah. Um, And I I kind of appreciate that addition because it just, like, any, any more awful weapons that you get with the Empire, the worse they seem. And I kind of appreciate that from a storytelling perspective. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's almost like it's a prototype. And it's this very early idea of targeting things and destroying them with really high energy. 
power um, that eventually, <laughs> and if you have like this, like if you imagine you have almost this research center at the Empire that's developing these different kinds of weapons and then it kind of you kind of almost get like a theme because you know like the empire is probably giving them objectives like we need the weapon to do this this and this and so you're getting Mm -hmm. kind of similar types of weapons like sabines that then eventually evolve into something like the death star exactly and i think that's really cool and they didn't even i don't even think it was like that direct of a reference either like it's just something that you can have in the back of your head when you're watching rogue one or a new hope and think oh my gosh that's actually pretty similar to sabine when she's she made that you know what i mean yeah i think it's really cool okay so the the other question that i have is what do we think about sabine basically turning the weapon on the empire and then not stopping kill you, you know do you know what i'm kind of getting at yes and Bo katan being like stop that's not the way you're not supposed to do that we actually talked about this earlier a little bit um but i think it was it was interesting because they ended up blowing up the station anyway which which i under i understand like in the moment i understand why bo katan was like this isn't how we do it blah 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 blah. because it's like torture it's It's not like yeah yeah. but it's still kind of I don't know. I almost wish they had waited to blow up the station because it seems like they ended that torture, got on the ship, and blew it up anyway. To me, I think this moment with that you get with Sabine, you know, kind of losing control, is this awesome moment that you get where you see her flaws, you know, again and again and again throughout this episode. And um, I think that you end it with her realizing, like, okay, gotta stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And... Also, it's it kind of, to me, from a story perspective, this episode is kind of like a microcosm of almost like a redemption arc in Sabine because yeah, no, totally she, she created a terrible weapon, she was separated from her family, and she did all these like awful things and named the weapon the Duchess. <laughs> like, okay. I can't get over that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the the she you know she did all these terrible things and but she still has a family and she has an, a a family again that she found but also the ghost family and she found she has a place and she was able to complete what the dark saber I, I don't know what directive the dark saber had given her and I just think it's like a really beautiful end to I mean it's not Sabine's character end but I really do think it's like a beautiful end to this arc of Sabine having these struggles and then kind of dealing with her demons no I agree I really liked that moment because again it's animation has been highlighting this (laughs) what (laughs) when are we never gonna mention this (laughs) you mean the like the the gray side (laughs) No, just the animation is like the key to understanding animation. the saga films. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> for Sky Talk, our bingo attention, put that mark of space um, for that. Um, but no, like animation. God, the animation department has really been highlighting how characters are neither explicitly good or explicitly bad. We all have these different shades within us and I think that's really great that they highlighted that in Sabine as well which I think we could all infer that from Sabine you know she was an imperial cadet and then you know now works for the rebellion but 
you know, it's not like that's not something you just switch off. You know what I mean? Like you can't totally. just switch off the the moments when you're feeling angry. It doesn't work like that. You have to work through that and you have to surround yourself with people who are going to help you get through that too and remind you that it's okay to be angry in this moment, but that's not who you are and that's not how we do things. So I re- Completely. Yeah, I really To like have that, that moment of recognition. Yeah, exactly. Is important. Yeah, and I and I really liked that moment. I guess I just wish that we had saved the the end of that scene for maybe like a minute later or something. But I yeah. I really liked I and I liked that it was Bo-Katan. I almost wish it would have been Ezra too who had been talking her through that as well because he was with her through the trials of the dark saber kind of thing and mm-hmm. like saw those emotional barriers she had put up too. Um yeah, but, I kind of agree with yeah, that. Yeah, but I, I really liked Bo-Katan doing it, too. Especially because Mando culture, you know, you think that they're just, like, all warrior and warfare. And, like, all, aggressive. Yeah, and that's, yeah. you know, that's not who they are. That's no. not all that they are. Yeah, exactly. Um, here we go again, wanting to talk about characters. Let's go. So why don't Let's we move on go. to talk about Let's characters? Let's go. <laughs> well, my name's Ezra. This is Kanan. That's Sabine and Zeb. It's nice to meet you, 7567. Actually, my name is Rex, Captain, 501st Clone Battalion. Okay, part three, characters, our favorite part. Okay, so let's spend a little bit of time talking about our favorite Mandalorian, Sabine. So, Charlotte, do you think Sabine is now 100% back with the Ghost Crew? Yeah, and I think that's why they had to put this episode right in the beginning Mm -hmm. of this season is because they had to establish that that question mark that we kind of had at the end of, you know, towards the end of season three about where Sabine was going, what her role in the rebellion was. I think she's totally back with the ghost crew. And um, it's it's interesting because even Hera's like her parents are important. Um, so I, I definitely think she's back. I think so too. What I'm interested in is if we will go back to Mandalore or if will the Mandalorians will come to the ghost crew. So I wonder if we're done with Mandalore for the, for the season, for, for the duration. I'm not sure. I don't, know I, I don't know at all. Um, I'm eager to find out. Yeah. That's for sure. It's kind of what we talked about in season three though, how it almost not lessens the effect of Sabine going with Mandalore, but... Because remember in season three, we were like, she came back too soon. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of almost like that. It's like we had these really great moments of her on Mandalore and, like, coming to terms with her family and her legacy and her, you know, all that stuff. But then it's like, okay, it's over. Now she's back with the ghost crew. (laughs) Which, I I mean. Kind of true. Yeah. But you kind of have to think about it logistically and practically, like, okay, yes, I would love to see her more on Mandalore, but TBH, I want her with the ghost crew, so... And time's a ticking. And, and like, time the is thing, a ticking. The thing is, is that it's just <laughs> the closer we get to a new hope, the like more stressful it gets. Like <laughs> yeah, where are these characters gonna fit into the story? And I can totally see that. Like I can totally see at Lucasfilm them having like this huge table of like where everyone is. Like almost like a battleship type situation oh, or like yeah. in Game of Thrones where like they look at the entire map. The galaxy. Oh my god, that's so yeah. cool. And like Sabine's story has to be wrapped up so that they can get to this and then this yeah. is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I always kind of think about that in that sort of way and it helps me to understand and not be too upset about, mm-hmm. you know, these certain character arcs that I genuinely love being wrapped up like Sabine's. Yeah. 
Agreed. Yeah, it's like, I wish we had more time, but the fact of the matter is we don't. So we need to get a move in with the ghost crew. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So uh, the elephant in the room, (laughs) Sabine and Ezra being a thing. We've seen this going around the Twitterverse. Uh, Give me your thoughts. Give me, you think it's going to happen? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So... Like I mentioned, I completely binge-watched Rebels for the past week or so. Like, last weekend, I was, like, all Rebels all the time. It was great. Highly recommend it. Explain to you. I come out of that. (laughs) Yeah. I come out of it thinking that season one is the ultimate season. I just say that. Maybe you guys will disagree with me. I kind of want to know what your favorite season is, so let me know on Twitter. But um, I think that they've been hinting at Sabine and Ezra like flirting for a really long time and this episode like they they did that a lot yeah what do you think I don't (laughs) that's the thing it's like you had that moment in the first episode with with Ezra and uh, Sabine's father and then you had and then I, I thought they were going to play it up more in the second part of the episode when Ezra is like, Sabine's in trouble and he's the one that goes goes to goes to help her. And mm-hmm. I totally thought that that was going to be a moment. Um, but it wasn't. And I'm glad because even though, even though I said before that I would have liked Ezra to have helped talk her down from that moment, and I still wish we had seen that, I was like, is, are they going to make it where like Ezra goes and rescues her? Like, I don't know if I want that. And so I was really glad that he didn't end up rescuing her from the machine. Like, she rescued herself, and she figured it out on her own. But I don't think they really put more of that Sebezra <laughs> into the <laughs> second part of the episode. Yeah, I agree. Um, but at the same time, like, Ezra does say, like, I don't want to be a Mandalorian. And maybe that's, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just feel like they kept, like, touching upon, like... <laughs> they did for Ezra. They didn't in Sabine's oh, yeah. dialogue. True. True. And, True. And even from season one, I've only rewatched parts of season one recently, but I mean, Ezra's had a crush on Sabine since the very beginning. You know? Like, yeah, and like I don't I don't mind the crush. I don't either. either. Like I just want to put that out there. Like I wouldn't hate if this happened. I'm not one of those people who's like, no, 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 no. I kind of think that it would be okay. But I don't, I don't think it's going to. Um, yeah. But I like, th- I like the idea that they keep playing up uh, Ezra's crush. It's weird because I, and again, I haven't rewatched the seasons, but I don't feel like it was as much of a forefront in the second and third season, which makes sense because it's like now he knows her and they're, you know, they're part of this team together. You know, he necessarily doesn't see her like that. Um, they have moments. I'm just saying. I, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> certainly not like Kanan and Hera, though. No, 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 no. It's different. It's but different. It's kind of- I'm just, what I'm trying to get at is, are they hinting at some sort of end game of Sabine, Sabine and, and Ezra? Ezra? I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know either. What if they are, like, building it up just to, just to make us all to, so That's what again. they're doing, Caitlin. With- you know that's what they're doing. They're, like, making us seriously care or, like, fight about it and, like, get super involved and then only to rip it from our hands. They all – what – my God. What if the last shot of Rebels is them all headed to Alderaan? 
Oh my gosh, I can't handle another like ending about how sad it is to, to blow up Alderaan. Alderaan. What if they're like the yeah. Princess Leia needs us, and they all blast off to Alderaan, and then you see the and then the camera pans, and you have the Death Star in the background, and and Hera's just like waving goodbye because you know she doesn't go to Alderaan yeah. then, and that's how she survives. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> because what if they're like on the on the ship, and and Sabine is like, you know what, Ezra? Yeah, I'll go out on a date with you or whatever a galactic date is, and he's like, yeah, I know this great place on Alderaan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy dave wouldn't he wouldn't do that he would not do that to us um no it's gonna be a way more ambiguous ending yeah no i, I don't know anyway. oh, okay anyway so no. being an ezra i you know it's funny it's kind of like anakin and padme like i understand why anakin loves padme but i need a little bit more <laughs> like, I needed a little bit more in Padme's storyline, and, like, I need to see a little bit more in Sabine's storyline, if 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 that's going to be a thing. Um, and she definitely has those moments in season one, and I wouldn't necessarily call them romantic moments, but it's, like, moments when she's showing that she cares about Ezra, whether as a friend or a brother or a boyfriend. Like, you see her caring about him as a person. Um, so she's had those moments, but if it is if, – if it's meant to be – I hope they make sure it has time to breathe. Totally. Um, okay. So speaking of ships, Hera and Kanan. Panera. <laughs> okay. This ship is definitely happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. This ship is like sailing. <laughs> it's flying. <laughs> yeah. It's soaring. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, what they're they were hardly in this episode though no but they had that great conversation at the beginning yes yeah and kanan's like so you miss me what's going oh. on you miss me and <laughs> it's just so cute and I, I don't know how they've they've built up this pairing so well like it's been there since the beginning I think that's what it is is that it's always been there and it was never really spoken of yeah and that's why we're so invested in it. Yeah. Because we want it to be spoken of. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like Dave gave it to us, but Dave never like set it in stone. And then <laughs> and or like really formally acknowledged anything. Mm-hmm. Do you you know what I mean by formal acknowledge? Like yeah. of course, like we see all these scenes and everything, but um I, we've never seen them like kiss or anything. They've never even like said I love you or <laughs> yeah exactly I thought that that was gonna happen in this episode I'm not gonna lie no I'm kinda no sad they're, they're not gonna get no they're you can't have <laughs> they're that not gonna do that right away when one of them is a holograph yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know I think that could have been cool someone tweeted and was like why does Kanan have a holograph of Hera if he's blind <laughs> <laughs> like why does he need that <laughs> So that she can see him. I know. And yeah. know that he's alive. Yeah. But then I'm like, good. are holographs automatically two-way? Does it have to be two-way? I don't think so. Anyway, that's yeah. not important. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just I just keep thinking about that moment in season one, which I tweeted it to. I feel like I'm talking about my Twitter a lot. And I <laughs> follow me. <laughs> <laughs> At Caitlin Flesher. But um it's like from season one and they're just like bantering and Kanan's trying to fly the ghost and he's not doing it well. And Hera comes in and like pushes them buttons and she's like 
basically sitting on top of him. And he's like, I didn't know the ghost could do that. And she goes, there's a lot you don't know about my ship. And like, oh my gosh, him and so <laughs> Kanan has this look where he like shakes his head and is like, she's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and I've like replied it an embarrassing number of times. <laughs> Like, that's why they're so good, though, is yeah. that I just love them. And that's also why season one is so good. Yeah. Just yeah. saying. And they, they just, like, they have so many emotional moments together and they make each other better. Um, Like, when, yes. like, when Kanan is frustrated and he's like, I didn't sign up to be in the rebellion and I'm frustrated at that. And Hera's like, all right, well, talk to me about it then. Like, they have just such a healthy relationship. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'll talk to you about it. <laughs> It's so good. Yeah. It's like literally what every Star Wars relationship should be. Should be, but is not. <laughs> but is not, because w- this is like the only time that we, uh, I don't know, we get some healthy relationships. Like, I guess you could say Baru and Owen are like a healthy relationship, I suppose, right? Or like... We we don't know that they're not a healthy relationship, so yeah. we'll just assume that they are. Yeah. And like Bale and Brea, very healthy relationship. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. but, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely know. had the most time with Kanan and Hera. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, I love them. I'm ready. For I it. hope we get more. Do you think it's going to be something they do like in this half of the season, or are we? Gonna yeah, have, I do. Are I do. They I think that there's something for each other, and then head off to Alderaan. I think that there's gonna they're gonna break our hearts in some way like that. They've built us up to that point. It would be mm-hmm. kind of pointless from a writing perspective to not tear us down <laughs> with But then some... I then I think about what Dave said in whatever interview it was when he was like, you know, the dramatic like the, the dramatic moments like that are really great, but in the end that's not what your audience actually wants. Ugh. I know. So I'm like, does that mean they do get their happy ending? But then I don't want to. I don't want to expect that because what if they don't? <laughs> I want them to get a happy ending, but they're not going to. He's gonna rip our hearts out. Wow, you're you're really, you're really convinced. I, I'm fully convinced. If Hera's gonna survive, she's not gonna survive with Kanan. So unfortunately, Aww. and I think that they've completely built this up to break our hearts because now we're so invested. You think anyone is gonna get a happy ending? Yeah, I do. Who? I think, I don't know, but <laughs> I feel like you're right. Like, and I actually like can recall a couple of good interviews of even George talking about happy endings. Um, so I, it's like a very Star Wars thing to at least have, you know, some hope. The semblance of a happy ending. It's just hope in general, yeah. right? It's like you need to have that, and you do. And I just hope that it's like a different sort of hope than we felt at the end of Rogue One. Yeah, well, it's interesting because when we always talk about hope, it's like hope for the galaxy and hope for the whatever the rebellion is, but it's not necessarily hope for the characters and like their personal stories. You know, like at the end of Revenge of the Sith, you have that great force theme and it's like Luke and Leia and they're, you know, they're babies and they're going to their homes. But it's like it's not really hope for them that you feel it's like, oh, they're going to save the galaxy like Luke is going to is going to bring down the empire. And then even at Return of the Jedi, it's like the like the the hopeful like the happy ending is that the the empire has been vanquished, not that Luke, Leia and Han are all together. I mean, that's not true. I that's not true. I that, take it back. Yeah, that's not true. Um, <laughs> anyway, 
I guess I, I hope that the end, I, I hope that the hope we feel at the end of Rebels is not just for, like, the state of the rebellion. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I completely agree. I think that we've, we've become so invested in this family, this ghost crew, that mm-hmm. we kind of need some sort of... I don't know, good feelings leaving the series. Yeah, exactly. And I want good feelings. And I I, I want definitive answers about where everyone is. I know that's a yeah. lot to ask, but... It's a lot to ask everyone. I don't know about that. But, like, I mean, unless, the unless, majority, unless you're giving yeah. me DJ as Ezra, like, you can leave him hanging. I don't care. But if he's not Ezra, tell me what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to me. Speaking of Ezra, where are we with his training? Um, him as a Jedi. Let's check in with Ezra. Hey, Ezra, how are you doing? How are you feeling? <laughs> what's what's been going on? <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm curious about how much growth we're gonna see from Ezra this season, or if it really is just gonna be showcasing how much he's already grown. As far as, like, force training, if that makes sense. Um, I think that every season we see Ezra dealing with some sort of conflict of, like, not yeah. understanding and not fully getting a complete Jedi training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that will only continue and that might be his downfall. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, we're going, I so, feel like yeah. we're, go- we're going back to Lothal and so it'll, yeah, that'll, yeah. That'll be a big test because Ezra is so emotionally attached to Lothal and how that benefits him and gets in his way. <sighs> oh, Ezra. But I'm excited for Ezra this season. I wonder, do you think the holocron is going to come back into play? Um, no. Like, you think we'll see think any so. dark side Ezra? Oh, I, I think that that's a possibility. I just don't know if the holocron will have any sort of story weight. Um, yeah. But I do think that there's a very real possibility of Ezra, you know, experimenting with the dark side once again. Um, I think that is kind of something that's almost inevitable. But we'll see. You think? I, I, I would say I would say like if they're if they're doing the holocron dark side thing again. I can just see the critique of, like, we've already done this with Ezra. Why are we doing it again? Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know anything. Like, I, I this whole <laughs> I don't know conversation, like, I don't know. I just don't know. Hopefully Fulcrum Files is not all of us just saying, I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I'd be gay. Okay. So back to this episode as a whole. Like, how do we feel this has advanced the characters as we know? Uh, to me, I think that we finally get a conclusion to Sabine's story of her personal struggle with her family. Yeah. And I think that's great. I think we see Kanan kind of back in action again, which is awesome as well. Like, I loved that moment where, like, he jumps in the cruiser and, like, takes out all those death troopers. So awesome. Yeah, that's good. And um, I just think you see them again, like, working together and... um. To me, it was just a very successful episode in terms of character growth and everything. I thought that it was, they put the characters first and not the action, and um, it was awesome. I think the I think the episode was really awesome, too. I don't know if I completely agree with you, because I'd say the most character growth we got was from Sabine. Like, we didn't have a whole lot of character growth moments from, 
like Kanan and Ezra, which were really yeah. like, it, it, like if we're talking, like those are the people we care most about, at least for you and I. Um, so I hope, like I hope our future episodes have, like I hope it's not just singularly focused on one character's growth for each episode. You know, like I hope we see moments of growth from more than one character moving forward. Um. Yeah, I think I think we will. I, I just think so again too. think that this is just like they had to wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, no, I agree. In order I, yeah. to go forth, mm-hmm. but I also like genuinely love the hour long yeah. situation that we have going on. Like I, I love it, and it's something that I've spoken before about like missing the arc nature of the Clone Wars. Um, in order to kind of explore more about a character and kind of go on this longer journey with them rather than these compact 20-minute episodes, which I completely respect, as I've also spoken about loving the short form. So I I just think that this way, though, especially the end of the series, is an awesome way to give the characters these, you know, this the attention they deserve in a long series, mm-hmm. you know? No, I completely agree. And I think this this had to be the way we start this series, this season, with finishing up this Mandalore story arc. Um, and it that that kind of episode had to be a focus on Sabine. You couldn't really have it any other way. Um, yeah. So we'll see. But and and I don't I don't mind episodes where we focus on one character, um, kind of pretty pretty heavily. I just hope that's not every episode. Like I hope the next week's episode isn't, you know, Ezra's and then the next one is Keenan and then the next one is Yeah, Hera. yeah I don't want that either. Um, I don't I never really loved when they did that. They you know, they did that a little bit last season mm-hmm. too and I wasn't a big fan of that. Yeah. So I um, just hope there's variety in like how we're how we're doing those big focus stories. I think if anything, like we're gonna see the rebels come together in a way that they weren't before, and in mm-hmm. that way, I think that we'll get more character growth across the board. Yeah, I'm excited for them to go back to Lothal, especially now that they've had so they've been through so much more together. Like they'll be, yeah. I feel like they'll be able to do so much more good on Lothal now. Yeah, I hope. Anyway, next next, next week's episode, like I haven't, I didn't watch the promo at the end of rebels recon like i'm going in fresh no i'm done like i'm going in fresh oh i watched i watched the rebels recon promo but i didn't watch the new one that was posted on star wars yep no i i'm saving it all for a compact i usually do that gonna be honest with um like rebels and clone wars i never really like to watch like the clips just because the episode is so short, It's I don't want to give away, like, two minutes of it, you know? Yeah, I do. I watch it. it I, guess, <laughs> I think it's because I try so hard to stay away from spoilers from the saga films that I'm like, I need, like, this little bit from... <laughs> I need to, like, get into some spoilers somewhere or else I will dive into Last Jedi spoilers, so it might as well be Rebels. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. But what what's crazy is that we've started this season, and when it finishes, we'll be in a new year. We'll have seen The Last Jedi. Everything will kind of make sense. Yeah. It's just – it's it's crazy. Like, we've started the last season, and by the time we end it, what will we have gained? What will we have lost? What will happen? What new cliffhanger will will we be left on from The Last Jedi? <laughs> oh, my God. Just, I'm not ready to go lot. there yet. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just, <laughs> I think about these things. <laughs> yeah, so do I. And, like, I don't like to. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
Anyway, I think that's going to conclude this first episode of Fulcrum Files. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And uh, let us know what you thought about this episode. And just so you guys know, Charlotte and I don't have a super strict schedule for when we're going to be uploading Fulcrum Files. It's, uh, in all honesty, we're just, we're busy right now. And so <laughs> it kind of depends. But we're going to, we're going to get it out before yeah. the next week's yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. You can count on that. It just, maybe it's Tuesday. Maybe it's Friday. But you'll get it every week. <laughs> so <laughs> just know that. <laughs> so be sure to follow us at SkyTalkersPod on Twitter and at Skytalkers Podcast on Instagram and check out our website, skytalkers.com. And I just want to say a quick thank you to our awesome patrons, Neil, Jim, Suara, BJ, Ryan, Dean, Emma, Amy, Aaron, Kyle, Brandon, and Chuck. Whew, lots of names. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. thank you. It means the world to us. And if you like what we do, you too can become a patron and head over to our Patreon page, Sky Talkers. And uh, if you also want to support us, you can head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps us out, and we really love seeing your comments and the things you like about our show. Um, so I think that's going to wrap up our episode, yeah? Yes. So may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Don't forget to thank Dave Filoni on your way out. And we'll see you next time.